Hello and welcome to All Systems Go. This is a weekly challenge podcast focused on the Go programming language. Every week we try and bring you Go language news, Go community news, and we talk about a weekly challenge designed to help us decipher the secrets of the universe through Go programming. I'm Chris. And I'm Kofi. Welcome to All Systems Go. Hey. Hey. How's the week been, brother? <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a busy week, I'd say. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think it's uh, it's one of those times, even though, uh, you know, it's been American Thanksgiving and I think a lot of people took some time off, but man, oh man, I don't know about you, but I've, I'm busier than I've ever been. So for sure. Yeah. It's weird that the uh, uh, sort of you would expect it to be in this lull where, you know, we had our uh, our Thanksgiving and then American Thanksgiving happened. But Actually, also looking at the news, like a lot has kind of happened in the last week. Um, and our challenge was um, more exciting than I expected. There's a lot sort of shaken in the maths space. Um, so, yeah, mm. there's lots to talk about this week, I think, which is awesome. All right. Cool, cool. So, man, I just want to know uh, where do you want to start? I think that you got a couple few things on the piece. I know you always keep talking about the Go Developer Survey. I thought I would take this one this time, but yeah, obviously. Go for it. No, I mean, it's all good. I think that it's always one of those pieces. I don't think the results have been released yet. or no. no. And so, anyhow, we'll, we'll have to take a, a time to, to fill it out, or maybe we walk through it right now. And it's just like, for those of you who haven't clicked on it, uh, you know. Yeah, it's, it's pretty it's, lengthy. It's pretty, it's pretty, well, <laughs> there's lots of questions, <laughs> uh, but, but it's great. And it's super important because they do. And I forget, oh, I meant to put what the, uh, uh, the actual date was, um, the cutoff date for this, I think it's in January, mm. but, um, but yeah, then they publish it afterwards, but it, it is, I've already gone through it and it's, it's pretty lengthy. There's quite a few pages, but I mean, okay. it's, it's important, right? They're looking for information on like mm-hmm. where you're coming from. Um, yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get a profile. Yeah, what you're doing. And and more importantly, it starts to say, so they're they're looking for information like what you're building in Go, how you're interacting with Go, um, where you think we need to, to change things, where things need to be updated, um, how, how can they reduce friction uh, from a developer perspective. So it's all super important stuff. So please, if you have not gone to do the developer survey yet, go for it. The links, uh, the link is in the show notes and check it out. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so we had a couple of releases this week, actually. I just, I, I took a quick, so right before the podcast, I always jump into, um, our Golang, yep. the subreddit. Cause it is, it's actually super active and that, that in itself is probably something to mention to folks, right? Like take a look at the, uh, the Golang subreddit and there's always lots of information there. There's lots of mm-hmm. questions going on at all levels, yep. lots of interesting stuff. So I jumped into there and I saw um, that uh, that Go one one thirteen dot five just got released, and one twelve dot fourteen got released. And I took a quick look. They're both minor releases. Um, I took a quick look at the issues, and um, uh, both releases had to do with uh, making sure that the whole Go toolchain meets Apple's notarization requirements. Um, so that was a backport for. One one two, because uh, it was originally I think put in one one three, and then um, in the one one three 
uh, five release. Uh, there was a few more things, but honestly, um, there aren't many things that I have the capability to discuss in full detail. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, we gotta get, so, we gotta get better. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta keep learning. I mean, I, I look at this and it's like, okay, well, uh, I can, I can say and sort of pretend and say, um, that, uh, server.con context got a fix in net HTTP. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I, I know what that is, but I don't know what the issue was that, you know, mm. got fixed. So. Right. Cool. Awesome. So what are you thinking? I know we always talk about this. Uh, I think you had a different perspective this week, just talking about, uh, what to do, how to get involved. Do you have anything happening in your community? Fortunately, I think in each of our communities, we got to figure out <laughs> when there's going to be uh, some more sort of meetup. But uh, see, so you posted here, got a few uh, general events in your area, like people actually posting meetups. Um, so some pretty cool stuff happening. Obviously, nowhere near us right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the Toronto, yeah, the Toronto meetup is uh, yeah. they've got something scheduled shortly i think it's either next week or the week after i forget um really yeah so the the toronto the toronto go meetup is pretty pretty active um calgary actually is pretty active too um and i think everyone's had a well so most of the meetups have uh have had their you know um golang 10th anniversary thing yeah um they've already done that although there is a bunch that are are just still planning to do one um, gotcha. so, so yeah, actually I was at the GoBridge site and I noticed that, um, they had a, they had a link, um, for meetups. We'll keep it in the show notes. And so there's a ton of meetups that are, that are happening uh, right. in the next little while. And I also took a look at, um, I'm constantly taking a look at our viewership or yep. listenership, I should say, and yep. try and figure out where people are listening from. And so we have literally people all over the world. I mean, we don't have gigantic numbers, but we have enough that I just, I thought it would make sense. Like I, I'm constantly trying to figure out when the meetups are in my area and I always forget. Right. I mean, it's just, you do your day-to-day -day job and then you try mm -hmm. and, you know, fit some code in here and there and try and do some yeah. other things and family and all the rest. And then all of a sudden I usually, what I usually see is like in the, the gopher slack, I'll see, Oh, uh, a meetup just happened, right? Like in the Toronto channel or the Calgary <laughs> channel or Vancouver. And it's like, Hey, we just right. had an amazing meeting. It was awesome. Thanks everyone for coming. I'm like, ah, crap. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I thought it might make sense for us to, for talk about, talk about meetups that are actually happening in communities around the world. All right. And, well, um, I know for sure I'm going to make sure that I get to my next local meetup. Um, and then I don't travel as much as you anymore, but if there is one that I'm going to travel too, I think I might do that, but, uh, yeah, this is pretty awesome. So definitely going to keep posting those and, you know, eventually we should just get a page put up there. That's what I'm thinking. What we really need to, so meetup actually has, they have a public API. So what we really hey. need to do is just hey. scrub it and say, okay, show me an event that, go. uh, is within this time and gotcha. date and, and go from yeah. there. Um, a couple of call outs, I'd say, uh, so as, I, as I was going through the list, um, I checked South Africa, Sweden, Norway, Argentina, and Singapore. Um, and y'all have wrapped up your, um, it looks like anyway, you, you've wrapped up your meetups for the year. Um, but, uh, but all pretty active communities there. And we have listeners in all those countries. Um, I looked at the, uh, the Bangalore meetup for Golang 
and there they have a meetup in December 14th at uh, 930. You can find the details on the meetup page and the links will be in the show notes if you're listening from uh, India and you're near Bangalore. But there's a hundred attendees registered for the next meetup. And I was like, wow. Look at that. That is amazing. Absolutely. Huge numbers. Um, <clears throat> what else we got on the on the docket here from a news perspective? Well, uh, there is 198 days until a certain event that is happening in the US of A. GopherCon tickets are now on sale. Um so, so yeah, go and get your tickets. The, the call for proposals are open. Um, I checked and actually, so they have a hundred early bird tickets. And when I looked at the site just before we started, there was only 82 left. So like they're actually already selling very, very, very quickly. Um, and w- what's neat about uh, GopherCon, I think is that they, as far as ticket prices, they ask you to. Uh, be honest, hand on heart and say, am I registering as a single, you know, as a, as a regular human being, or am I registering and my company is going to pay for my registration? Mm-hmm. And of course there's a difference in price, difference in price. And so they're asking you to be, um, you know, your own self and, and be honest about that sort of thing. You want to talk about what, um, what's happening at GopherCon? Uh, sure thing, man. Um, Let's just take a look through here. Obviously, community day, that's always pretty good. I mean, why wouldn't we want to do that? Some hands-on uh, roundtables and obviously lightning talks. Those are always a great thing, right? So uh, not sure what else we want to do here. There's obviously some pre-conference workshops, half day in the morning and the afternoon. Obviously, you might need a separate ticket for that. So check the site on that side. Yep. Um, and then obviously the other pieces. is... Uh, there's actually check it out discounts for students nonprofits and group discounts so um, maybe this is a good time for even if you're you know in an educational state or you're going to like you know college university what have you um good time to do that as well so pretty cool stuff on that side right well then i just threw that at you so well done kofi Hey, I like it. We're, we're getting Thanks, to be, buddy. we're getting to be like professionals here. It's awesome. Uh-huh, you're hilarious. <laughs> so there's um di- there's a diversity fund scholarship uh, as well, and I thought that would be an interesting thing to mention here. So um, there, there's two things to mention about diversity fund scholarship. So one um, for GoCon, there is a diversity fund scholarship that you can apply for. And, um, and so go, go check out the website for the details on that. If you, uh, if you fit into, um, that category, um, or the set of categories or the, the criteria that exists for the diversity fund, um, go check that out and you can apply there. Um, mm-hmm. the other thing to mention is we talked about GoBridge last week and I just found this out, uh, this week. So the GoBridge site actually tracks scholarships. So events for scholarships. So if you go to the, um, GoBridge site, you'll see actually near the top of the screen, um, it actually, it actually lists the, I think right under the, um, the fancy logo with all the hearts and rainbows and stuff. There's mm. actually, uh, there's a section that says, yeah, time sensitive initiatives. Yes. And there's a bullet point there, um, right now that says conference diversity scholarship applications. And now they have the GopherCon USA, GopherCon EU and, uh, OpenGo.io. Not really sure what the OpenGo.io, um, event is. I don't think they're quite up and rolling yet, but all of those, um, events have a diversity scholarship. And so you can always check the GoBridge site and see if there are, um, other 
diversity funds available. So, so I think that's great, right? Go and, and apply, you know, go is a, the community at large is very inclusive and very focused on diversity. So, uh, so I think this is all great stuff. Awesome, man. Great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, let's see. Um, what else do you want to talk about? There's uh Kotlin conf next week. This week, they just started oh, this, this week. week. Yeah. There you go. Um, and so interesting that there's, you know, a bunch of conferences happen. There's, there's some little, uh, some conference happening in, in Las Vegas. I don't know, like 80,000 nerds, um, <laughs> down there to do something about cl- cloud. Is that what cool. you call it? When it you, is. yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Something like that. <laughs> I, I went to, uh, I went to see if there's any go stuff on the agenda. Um, there's nothing really focused on Golang, but I'd say, you know, there's there's serverless sessions and certainly a lot of conversation about the additional right. capabilities that they're constantly adding for application yeah. teams. So uh, I wanted to see if there's anything that we could call it specifically for Go, but not really. Not um, really, no. But yeah, that's kind of a big deal. But uh, unfor- yeah, fortunately or unfortunately, I guess, uh, the JetBrains folk picked this week for KotlinConf too. Um, yeah. So it's still the biggest turnout that they've had so far. Um, and I try and keep my eye on Kotlin because it's kind of interesting because if you look at Go, I feel like Go kind of started server side more mm-hmm. than anything and yep. now is kind of moving into other spaces where um, Kotlin kind of sort of started the other way, right? Like they they came out as JVM first and then Google jumped on and said, yep, Kotlin is the the default for uh, Android development. And yeah. now they're they're trying to really become kind of the everything platform. And it's an interesting language. It's it's actually kind of fun to work with. Um, but I, I try and keep my eye on what's up with uh with Kotlin. So have you done any small projects at all? Not really. Mo- no. mostly kind of dabbling. tutorial stuff yeah, so okay. far. Yeah. Just and just kinda yeah, jumping here and there. Okay. That's pretty cool, man. Uh I think I shot this to you, you last did. week because you were pretty excited. I was like, hey, man, did you know that Golan just had a new release? You're like, what are you talking about? What do I got to do? Yeah. So uh, obviously, uh, go check it out. It's not – I use VS Code, so I should have probably checked and seen uh, if there's any other additional updates at this point. But um, really, I think one of the big things for you is uh, anything in there that you – that you're interested in or yeah, the, the 2019.3 release, um, they reduced startup times pretty significantly. Like it's down um, by another second on the Mac mm. and Linux. And they reduced the startup time by two seconds on windows, which is like, okay. I mean, it's a little thing, but I, I guess that's one of the things that you get to brag about. If you make, if you make a <laughs> fat app, desktop application, right? faster like, is yeah. better. Yeah. <laughs> right. They've added a couple of interesting things like you can you can search in selected areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can actually select an area and then search in that area. Um, syntax hiding, highlighting now for GoMod. And that just, you know, I saw that and thought, oh, man, I need to I need to spend more time with modules and understand what's happened in the you know the recent releases. Yeah. Go modules have kind of um, been reinvented, I think, in the last little while. And I'm, I'm really behind the times there. I just still use them the way uh, I used to use them. So, okay. So maybe that's something we kind of table and we figure out if yeah. uh, there's something we're going to do this week or or at least maybe it's just some interesting part into walking through a few things and then kind of doing some quick takeaways on that. So, yeah, let's uh, let's figure that out. For sure. All right. So uh, surfing the web, of course, interesting projects. We always like to bring this up. I think it's 
it's one of those things that I don't know, keeps me pretty excited <laughs> about finding stuff. Cause I don't know about you, but like, even when we go through in, in like a short space of time, you can go and you can find stuff on go awesome, or you can go on, you know, wherever you want to go search and just find stuff. You're like, what? <laughs> like, I had no idea this project existed. So, you know, it's one of these cool things. So today, what I mean, even though it's uh, been around, I think, one of the biggest things since 2016, Go Fonts. Pretty cool. I, I don't know how many people know that there are Go Fonts, right? It was, yeah. they developed them back in 2016, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know. There's a, there's a thing in my head where I just feel like, hey, if, if these were developed specifically for Go, then I should, I should be using them to, to build Go projects, right? And actually they are, they're really nice fonts to, to work with. So I tend to, like, mm-hmm. they're pretty easy to install you just clone the repo um, and then import them really into whatever your operating system is um, yep. i use them in goland they're not there natively for whatever reason but um you just download them and go and uh literally go i guess and <laughs> like what font do you change yeah. any of the fonts in in your not really id no no not at all i i don't know whether it's just because i haven't really you know a lot of people hack what it is i mean maybe i would have probably in uh I've probably, probably done it in Atom. One of the things I guess you can download or get specific updates um, through the marketplace in VS Code. And there are people who have actually developed like theme-based, um, you know, backgrounds and obviously different fonts. Um, but yeah, I I think I did one and then I was like, yeah, I'm just, I'm happy with the way it is right now. So yeah, that's one of those things I nerd out with, about a little bit um, and obsess a little about terminal fonts and whatnot. And not so much in maybe it's more so in, in Linux, mm. um, like on my Linux systems, I feel like I need to change them. And maybe that's just cause the defaults aren't really great. Whereas if I jump into my Mac and even on windows, I never feel like I need to, I don't, I don't get that obsessed about changing them. Yeah. I don't know. So you're telling me, <laughs> you're telling me that it's basically, if it's Linux, you have to, I, I need it to look like a Mac or windows. Well, I think it's actually <laughs> more like, uh, be, because there's a thing, there's a bit that flips in my head where I'm, if I'm on a Linux system, because I know I can customize everything. Right. Now I have to customize everything, right? Like I can't just sit there and be, accept that it's like, no, nah, I got to change everything because just because I can. Whereas in Windows and Mac, you're kind of like, well, if yeah, I, I change can import, it. Could can break it. Fonts, but well, yeah. window, Windows anyways. But you can't really change the, can't really change the window manager per se. You can't really change. Like there's a bunch of things you can't change. Whereas every time I build a Linux system, I got to fiddle with all the knobs and buttons and levers and all that good stuff. Cool. See the cool stuff on gonum.org. As I was going, kind of going through the challenge this week, um, I tried to make note of all of the analytic packages and and math-like packages that I saw, um, on the way and, and Gonum came up pretty, pretty quickly in the list when I started to look for, um, some statistical analysis stuff. So, um, we made the challenge last week to, uh, to do some maths. And, um, for me, what that really meant was you know, one of the things I do on a regular basis is I take a look at a, a stretch of data, mm-hmm. um, usually about a data center and it has a, huge list of VMs with a bunch of information about the VMs. And usually I'll import that into a Jupyter notebook and then I'll use pandas to do some analysis. Cause I don't like, 
you know, just doing kind of straight line, you know, divide and, and figure yeah. out some high level averages. I like to get a little bit deeper in that. So when we talked about doing maths last week, I was really thinking in my head, okay, this is a chance to do some of the work that I do today in Python in Go and learn some things. And so GoNum came up right away as awesome. as a set of tools um, that you can use to actually do um, analysis. So they have libraries for matrices, for algebra, for stats, probability distributions, function differentiation, all the maths, basically, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. And what I thought was really worth mentioning about GoNum is that they have an interesting philosophy. So their philosophy was that science is about really um, simplifying, you know, some ideals and making it easy to communicate so that people can mm-hmm. kind of understand what's happening in the world. Yeah. And they believe that scientific code should be clear and easy to read for the same reason, because, you know, typically this kind of research gets shared in a lot of different places and you want to make it easy for people to understand how did I do this analysis? What is it that I did to actually come up with this um, kind of conclusion? And so that's what they're really trying to, that's part of the philosophy of their project is to make sure that Go is the Go code that they build or that can be built from using the GoNum libraries is clear and easy to read. Um, and they jumped into Go because Go is approaching C for the level of performance and, uh, and speed. So they feel like it's a good place to do data science. So I thought it was worth just talking about GoNum. Awesome, man. It's pretty cool. That's pretty amazing. Uh, that's pretty cool, man. So it's just like the last time we were talking, going through the different scenarios, same concept, good packages, what's commonly used, especially the same way that we looked at it from a database perspective. Um, obviously, as we think about, you know, looking at applying these different pieces, I think it's it's pretty cool. Um, let's see. I mean, obviously, you talked a little bit about Jupyter Notebooks and what you had, what and how you use it today. Um why don't we actually just kick right into a couple of different things here? So from a project's perspective, I see there's some Goda Goda. Like, give me an idea about that. that I haven't seen that and didn't have time to look at it. So what are, what are you thinking? So one of the great things about using pandas on Jupyter is that, um, or using pandas in general, basically, is that you can read a bunch of data into into what pandas calls a data frame. And I'm not sure, I haven't spent enough time in data science to really know if there's more to data frames, if they, if they move beyond just pandas, if it's a contract that's been around a while. But um, think of it as a way of taking in data and creating... Um, you know, basically a a table that's running in memory that then has uh, column headers, and then you can actually address the table. And it's, uh, it's just an easy way to kind of um, import data into your application. And then you kind of reason about how you want to, um, how you want to apply logic, I guess, to the data. And that's maybe not a great way of explaining it. But if I go, if I go back to my, uh, what I use it for, so I've got this big table that has a bunch of VMs listed in it. And if you think about what a VM looks like, well, there's a lot of information like how many CPUs does the VM have? How much memory? What operating system is it running? How much storage is allocated to it? How much storage is it actually using? What vCenter is it attached to if you're using VMware? What cluster is it in? The host and all that. So when I import that data into a data frame, now I have this table that sits in memory and I can address things and say, okay, uh, give me the average number of CPUs across all of the VMs I see. And there might be thousands of VMs in there, 
but now it's in, in memory in this data frame mm-hmm. in this construct and I can just get that information super quick. And so that's what I use data frames for um, in my day to day. Goda is actually a library that allows you, so go-goda on GitHub. It's a library that actually lets you build data frames in Go. Um, and so they've done this implementation where you can actually load um, load records into a data frame and then do the same types of things where you can actually take a look at the data and reason about it. And when we talk about the challenge, I definitely use Goda um, in in the code that I built um, to actually take a look at data. So have a look nice. at Go, Goda. Um, it looks like a project that could use use a hand too. It's It's moving along. Things are... There's a good community around it, but I think they could probably use uh, some more helping hands. So if you're yeah. interested, check it out. Awesome. I was uh, just flipping through some of our notes here, and I this is an amazing uh, kind of use of Go for looking at um, plotting out, uh, you know, voter statistics in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, and actually being, it's kind of like, and I think this is really kind of where we were getting at, is like there's open APIs everywhere. Uh, you can get all the data you want from Open Toronto, um, and then basically from there you can basically um, use a programming language basically to manipulate the data. Uh, in here, obviously, when we think about talking to it, um, the neat part is is you know what does he use is and 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 what um, functions and packages he pulled and 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 and. and and where he got that stuff from and it's awesome because it's basically a lot of stuff that you know you just talked about right so neat ways to look at that um great way to do an application and just to kind of maybe obviously you'll put it in the show notes but um you want to give his name a shot Yazotan. there you go i'll take it right um pretty great article obviously um on, on just how he used it, how he prepared the thought process of methodologies. A lot of ways where, you know, maybe these aren't, these are things that we need to care about, how he's using it from an analysis perspective. Uh, and I think one of the cool parts is just, you know, as he publishes some of the code, how he actually used it. And then obviously, you know, look at one of the harder parts or as, as he puts it, the data itself is fairly well structured, but, and data cleaning was minimal. So it always proves that even, you know, obviously when you're looking at, you know, data in a data out type of me- me- like methodology, you still have to look at it from the perspective as data still needs to be cleaned. So he doesn't really have to do a huge amount of uh, editing on the code uh, or sorry, on the data set as he had it there. So yep. neat parts there. And then obviously <laughs> where, where he decided rather than putting it into a database or something, obviously dropping it into an Excel data sheet. Um, and obviously that's, you know, something that we probably have all used several times um, and then obviously make it, super accessible so even if you want to look at the cv uh, in csv format or what have you and just pull it up you can take a look at the data set make sure it's right uh, and then basically go ahead and and start plotting it out so it's actually pretty neat as he goes yeah. that and then of course as you talk about you know go to unplot which is like matplotlib um and you know what does the visualizations look like and it's pretty straightforward as they go through building a very straightforward you know, kind of voter turnout percentage, uh, and you can break it down by ward or in as be here or you know, I don't know what you, what would you call it in the states. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> this is a city thing, so yeah. So yeah, anyways, wards or or not yeah. in yeah. other parts of the world. E- either way, like you can 
break it down by however your community is broken down and and go from there. So some really nice stuff. I really like it. And then it's just exploring how you're going to represent some of the data, right? So exploring different functions, how it's actually done, then applying additional statistics, different levels of not just from applying perspective. There's a lot of different histograms that can be broken out as well. Um, so I really like the way this is systematically going through the yeah. process and showing the different levels of functionality and as a data scientist who would probably i'm not obviously but um who would actually be able to interpret the data or look at the data or how the business could interpret the data this is actually pretty cool as as you see how things are being plotted out so definitely one amazing read great find by the way uh and it was recently published and then in here i think you maybe want to go through that like just his thoughts on go in itself and and go through that because it's pretty cool well, I think what what I really liked about this, just echoing what you what you just said, really is what I liked about this article is that he they laid out what they wanted to kind of get. Like, here's the information that 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 they wanted to get through, or the um, the types of information. Like, it, they had questions, right? Like questions about the data, and so how do, how do we get there? And the article the article actually walks through. Okay here's the data I looked at and here's how I actually did it. And here's what I went. And, um, you know, they decided that they would use go and that's cool. And then, um, basically I think the wrap up more or less said, Hey, go is, you know, goes cool for a bunch of reasons and reasons that we've gone over several times here on the podcast. But also, you know, some of the things that I definitely ran into as I went down the path of trying to do some of the things I do in pandas today, where, mm -hmm not everything is quite there, right? There's a reason why why Python and R are really kind of the go-to for data science today. Mm -hmm. They've been those communities have been at it for a very long time. Um and so there's a lot of uh there's a lot of stuff out of the box that's ready to go. And I think one of the yeah. things that um that was said in this article is that well you there are some things that you need to kind of figure out um because it's not quite as simple as just import pandas and then right. go do some things um <laughs> right. you have to kind of dig for some of the libraries and have to figure out what modules do what you want it to do and and do they do it in the same way you know like i'm not a data scientist either and what really brought me to to jupiter in the beginning was just i was tired of dealing with excel <laughs> and i was like man mm. there's got to be a better way to do this like i don't right. want to build one more v lookup right right and um and yeah, so I think it's a good it's a good data science story. Um, yeah. Be interested to see what other people think. Um, just on Go uh, from a data science perspective, I know that maybe this is that time when we can obviously look at the um, the you know the Slack channel where I believe there's a, a section in there for data science. Is there not? Yep, there sure is. All right, so I mean, maybe that's to go in there and see what else is available. Maybe, maybe look at what the, what's been done in the article itself and then also you know what that actually is a very interesting thought so i think i'm going to get on the slack channel i'm going to go in and see what other people have done and how they use it or whether these are the only real packages that they typically use and then maybe there's something else that we can find in there right so neat ways to look at it i guess and yep. um and obviously see how we can explore different things and that's really what we're looking at and then if there is other stuff or any other projects that are out there right now that maybe focus on data science? I know that it's obviously a hot topic. And like you were saying, it's it's typically, you know, people using Python and, you know, it's, it's Pandas, it's NumPy, it's Matplotlib, it's all this other stuff that has existed for 
for quite a long time. Um, but it'd be interesting to see what you can do with Go. And New Empire. <laughs> no, I knew Empai. Is that is that what I'm supposed to? <laughs> Never again. Never again. One thing that I did, I thought we should talk about is sure. um, is the All Systems Go uh, repo. So I just made it public today on, today on GitLab, and it is mostly unremarkable at this point, outside of the fact that it is an All Systems Go repo. And, uh, awesome. What we want to do with that, dear listener, um, is make sure that we, um, provide a place for you, for you to be able to look at the code that we build, um, and potentially share code yourself and also put, uh, put things like show notes and those sorts of things. So I've already dabbled with, um, using go Hugo to, uh, to generate static web pages. Um, so we can put show notes, um, up that way. Um, I've already done, so GitLab, um, actually, Almost all of the uh, the uh, content hosting sites now, GitHub, GitLab, etc., um, all have these um, pipelines that you can you can deal with now. And so with um, GitLab, what what we're going to be doing is actually building a quick pipeline. And every time we push content, basically um, what happens is GitLab itself through the pipeline will generate take the static content turn it into HTML content and push it into the public site. And then it will, it will be there and uh, happy to share with everyone how that actually works. There's some good articles out there already, but uh, if you're interested, you know, hit us up in the Slack or, or on the Twitters and let us know. But, but yeah, so we wanted to have a place where we could put show notes um, and where we could actually put code so that everyone could see the code um, yeah. as we kind of go through it. And, you know, you listen to this, you're in the car, um, you're so excited about the code that you hear that you pull over to the side of the road. And we want to make sure that you have a place to go to see that code. So you don't have to sit there and like, you know, SSH into your client and try and build the code on the fly on the side of the road. Um, I so, thought you were going to just stick on the, I just want you to be safe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll yeah. just take it. I'll take it down a different level. Maybe don't it's code the, and drive. Like, no, maybe we'll, not. We'll leave it at that, but yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so, I think I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this before we get into the coding challenge. Um, but obviously, um, when I was thinking about this, it was more on just little things like variable naming conventions and mm. ways that I think I'm going to get better rather than, uh, you know, because I'm not a professional developer, but just understanding some very specific things. And there's a really short one minute article on Medium. Uh, it's pretty cool. That's put out by Lindsay and it's really kind of just going through like what the kind of do's and don'ts. Right. And then just little things like use like kind of starting like a, a capital C on the trailing end of, or the last word of, of, of the declaration or whatever that might be. And then, you know, where do you capitalize little things like that? Where do you just use single letter, single uh, letters um, in, in that scenario? And then, you know, one of the things, the setters and getters, like that is, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it, it's in your head. You're like, oh, I got to get this. So I'm just going to be like, yeah, get customer data or get customer, blah, blah, blah. But I think what they're doing is, is like, that could be anything. It could be, if you do it right. And it's like, I know what it is, is customer service.cust and blah, blah, blah. I can have more down it or 
I don't know. It's pretty cool stuff, but I, I just, what's your take on, on some of this? It's like, as you either shorten it or you be more specific or are you keeping it more generic, uh, in a sense? I think, uh, I think it's a, it's a great point. So when you brought it up, um, earlier today, I was thinking about this and wondering what do I do? And actually the first thing I, I did was I tried to, uh, go Google, go idiom and, and figure out actually what is idiomatic for go? Cause I don't, I'm not sure I actually know. Um, and so the medium article that you brought up actually has a, so mentions that, you know, here's some kind of best practices to think about, but then also links to, um, Ashley McNamara and, uh, Brian Kettleson and their YouTube, um, video from 2018 that actually talks about, uh, go best, best practices. And it talks through a bunch of these. Um, so, and, and I was looking through this and thinking, okay, um, I definitely try and do most of these. Um, there, there are some things like getters and setters today. My code isn't super complex. Like I don't have, um, unless I've done it by accident. I don't think I really have getters and setters in my code. Yeah. But I certainly do try and use camel case wherever. Um, and I do try and, and try and use, descriptive names, um, but that are super short. Right. And and I'm constantly thinking about, okay, what happens if I give this to someone else to, because I don't know, I I think I've worked with enough developers, um, and heard enough horror stories that, (laughs) well, and especially, you know, talking to, to folks in, in enterprise settings where they're stuck supporting legacy code and trying to figure out what's going on and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, even, updating the code to try and put it into next generation cloud native or whatever. Yep. So like I'm constantly trying to think, how do I make my code so that it's a readable without being super verbose and, and documentation everywhere. Um, and so that anyone could kind of pick it up and, and run with it without a whole lot of effort. So, yeah. So why don't I take a look at your code right now? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> so the challenge, no. challenge, challenge. Yeah. I, I failed. It's okay though. <laughs> it's one of those weeks, huh? It's one of those weeks where I, I, I failed miserably. So um, I will make it up twofold next week. <laughs> uh, so, and that's a promise. Um, yeah. And yes, this is one of those things is, um, you know, time flies. You put in a lot of hours in a week and you're just like, I really want to get to this. So to my listeners and to our listeners, sorry. No apologies necessary. We all are busy doing our thing, right? So, and yep. and I think that's one of the things that you and I agreed on on the, this podcast. Like, we're going to get it out every week, no matter what. And some weeks, it's just not going to be. We're not going to have the bandwidth to to put uh, uh, to to build a whole bunch of code. Um, and and it was you know, it was one of those weeks kind of for me too. But some of the things that I'm doing, uh, I'm doing to make my day-to-day life easier. Um, mm-hmm. so I find some cracks to kind of squeeze into. Yep. Um, but I know for a fact that you really didn't have any cracks to squeeze into this week. So <laughs> no, I didn't. And I, and I, I don't normally say that, but anyhow, that's besides the point let's go through. And one of the cool things is, and I think we talked about this, we're going to start recording, uh, some of the portions where we walk through what we've done as well. And then we can probably, sh- you know, once we record it, um, we can actually start sharing it on GitLab, right? So that'd be pretty cool. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be neat. Um, and, and whatever way is kind of appropriate for, for the medium, mm-hmm. we'll figure it out. So, um, I, I actually have just a, a simple bit of code. Um, but, um, there was a couple of interesting things that came out this week and one of them is my, so the little function that you, you see at the beginning of my, and for actually, for those of you following along at home, um, if you're really excited about the code and you've already pulled over to the side of the road, this is actually available in GitHub. Um, so you can look at, sorry, GitLab. You can go to GitLab, the All Systems Go project. Um, and this is in the S1 E6 folder uh, project, and it's there. So it's just a tiny little bit of code. It's only 30 lines, but it was really a proof of concept for me to say, okay, can I take, can I take a whole bunch of data about VMs and can I build a data frame like I would in Pandas? Mm-hmm. And then can I read it? Can I do things with it? But one of the first interesting things that came up that I saw, I saw this bit of code as an example somewhere and I went, Oh man, of course. And, and it actually made me think about yep. potentially a next I challenge. See it. I right? see it already. Yeah, I so look, I'm looking straight at it. This tiny little function, because if you just, especially if you've just Brilliant. started with, with go, um, you will have seen this and started to do it. You will have, you know, if error is not equal nil, then do something and you have them scattered all through your code. Yeah. You panic, you log, you do it. And this was on the go by example page. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, why have I never really thought about this? They created a little (laughs) function that they just called check. It takes, takes an error type and then does the, if not equal nil do something. And I thought, wow, that's actually, I don't know why I never thought about doing that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and it made me think that, okay, yes, I need to think about, there was a bunch of changes to, uh, to errors and how you can er- handle errors. I think in the one, one, one release, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing that I think we need to circle back on and, and kind of sort out errors mm-hmm. and, uh, and logging at some part. But anyway, so that awesome. little function I thought was neat, neat way to handle it uh, in my app. I'm just going to panic cause I'm again, just sort of testing it out. So I don't really care, um, if it dies. So I define a CSV file that I want to talk to. And in this case, it's a, it's a bunch of VMs. Um, I open the file and I'm just using OS open. And then and this was my first try at it. So I've never actually used um, Goda, never used the data frame package. So I literally wrote this the first time and it worked. And I was like, wow, this is cool. So I opened the file um, and then I just defined the data frame and said, yeah, re- so data frame actually has a, a method called read CSV and I fed it the open file and magic. I had a data frame, which was super cool. Um, so all of the data in this particular file, I think has about 800 records in it. Um, and it happens like, like that, like it's quick. Nice. So I read it, I had a data frame. Um, and then I just started to take some stats. Um, so I just took, uh, everything in the memory, uh, column mm-hmm. and took a mean and I took everything in the disc. Uh, so the allocated space actually, and I took a mean, so I got average of those and I just spit that out and that's all I had time to get done, oh. but it was a good proof of concept to My get me to the is- place where it's like, wow, I can, like, I can, <laughs> I can get excited very now. This is, yeah, this is really cool. Okay. I, yeah, I, yeah, I have some ideas that are going around this. This is pretty cool, man. Because I mean, when, uh, like I said, part of the thing that I'm doing, it's trying to build a, um, like we, I belong to this, you know, this group when we're doing this club thing. And I said, yeah, well, I'm going to go pull some data 
you know, like I said, gets it from Rapid API, put it into a database. And I was like, you know what? Like <laughs> now we're going to take this one step further and just build it all out for all the metrics we want. And we'll do our own kind of one click analysis, put the stock in. Here you go. Bam. This is the information you get. And then I can use all of this to to basically build out either indicators or or what have you in here. So I have a lot of good ideas for what I'm doing. I think that like storing in a database is, is one thing, yep. um, which is, which is fine. And the other thing you can do. And so what I'm working towards is actually taking a number of different files that contain same kind of information, parsing it, and then sending that to an API. And so there's a couple of different ways you can certainly do that. You can look at a file and then you could just like recursively go line by line and then potentially build some sort of structure of some sort, data structure, and then send that off to the API. But what I like about data frames, um, and maybe, you know, if there's anyone out there that has has feedback about this, maybe this is the wrong way to think about it, but I find it easier to, to like rationalize, to think about the data if I have it loaded in a data frame. And, and really it has to do with just being able to access columns by their column headers and that sounds silly but like once i can think about this as like a it's a 2d table that's sitting in memory okay now i want to mm -hmm. pull out this yep. this bit of information i can think about it easier than thinking about okay well i'm in the middle of recursion right now right and i'm yep. looking at like how do i figure out what field i'm at so um so i like data frames for that reason and uh oh that's awesome but don't forget we can take the outputs or the certain amount of stuff basically in the database pump it out to a file temporarily open it up just as you've done here pop it in your data frame do the manipulation and then delete whatever that is for sure why don't i that's what i'm doing that's my makeup session <laughs> that's your makeup code that's my makeup code and that's exactly what i'm gonna do it's already been recorded so there you go You're that's what's now. happening you're in trouble i'm committed but arguably i think that's kind of where we wanted to go we talked to like what do you think the next option is for our our next uh, challenge because i know what i have to do basically it's my makeup class um and i'm gonna get that done this weekend and then uh we have to do something on what yeah i don't know i think we we just sort of scratched the surface of of math right um mm -hmm. i think there's a bunch of uh laid some groundwork there if we need to kind of go back to it how, later and how I, about we, I how about we keep going on math sure um plot like graphing all right let's I get like on that. the graph i want to graph something or data visualization data visualization i want to do that that's I'm, I you you showed me something I kind of want to see if I can make it happen, um, yeah I want to do it. All right, I like it. Uh, Data visualization right. next week. Well, let's do this. So it's just like a continuation. We had so the articles obviously as we talked about that where somebody had gone through it. I want to see what they're experiencing. I want to see if it's relevant to what we're doing, or maybe it's not even in that principle. Depending how you're using data visualization, choose something, something you've already done, pull a data set from somewhere else, uh, and then use it. But try to use something that you'd use, um, you know, or you'd like to see, um, and go from there. All right. And Yazao Tan's article on Medium that'll be in the show notes is a good kind of template to Absolutely. start with. Absolutely. 
So with that, I'm going to say it's been a slice. Was that, and a as a- Was that another good language pun? <laughs> Trying. Oh, it's <laughs> All right. Fine. <laughs> Anyways, as always, thanks for listening. And as always, Chris Saunders, Kofi Ahulu. Let's go. Let's go.